from Acadia Growth, Alaska Ice, and Eric Public Media, this is the Making Business Fun podcast, where we believe that in addition to making a business impactful, effective, and profitable, it can also be fun. What's it take? The choice to do so. Today's topic is smart pricing strategies. But before we start, we want to know what you are interested in for future episodes. So please send feedback, suggestions, and ideas to makingbusinessfun at ericgorris.com. This is Smart Pricing Strategies, the Making Business Fun podcast, episode number 102, date of production, February 18th, 2022, and I'm your host, Eric Gorris. Let's get started. Okay, well, let's get into it. Pricing, I mean, the big question, how much? Almost every business out there with a product has had this struggle at one point or the other where it's like, you know, God, how much do we charge for this thing? We've got this thing. We love it so much. What do we charge? What will they pay? And will it be enough? Well, the short answer is, is that you need to charge enough for your product that your business profits. But the price can't be so much that it drives them away. That's another problem, right? Like you need to have sales to generate the revenue. And at the same time, the revenue has to have enough to give you a profit. And price is also kind of a resulting factor of how you set up your business, about what kind of business you have. If your business is very expensive to run, then you have to have high prices and high margins to stay afloat. Like very simple is the lemonade stand where it's just lemons and sugar and water and a little like low rent, uh, a little low rent like counter on the corner. That's very easy. It's like the lemons cost so much. The water costs so much. The sugar costs so much. You add a little bit up on top. And then like every eight year old goes home happy with like, a fat wad of cash in their pocket. But then you consider something like, I don't know, Pfizer or Apple, right? They spend a bazillion dollars on research and development. So going back to the lemonade stand, it's not just like lemons and sugar and water. It's like they have to spend lemon, sugar, water, plus a bunch of studies and surveys and interesting stuff, researching how the lemons can be better and had for cheaper. How can we do? How do we advance research, develop best lemonade ever? And then I guess that's how you get to like smart water, right? But somehow you get my point. These operational expenses also have to be baked into the price. So the price has to carry the tangible and the actual costs of the good, of the goods sold, but it also has to carry all the other operational costs of your business, research, development, advertising, marketing, whatever, travel and entertainment. Sure. It's got to pay for that too. It's got to pay your rent. It's got to pay your internet. It's got to pay everything. So pricing is a factor of all of your business wrapped up. And at the same time, there's psychology in it too. And that's important, right? (laughs) Consider these two brands, Ferrari and Ford. Both are world-renowned brands, huge brands. Ferrari, a brand of luxury. Ford, a brand of mass appeal. I mean, Fords are getting expensive, right? Like there's no shortage of $70,000 trucks. But Ferraris are in a whole different class of their own. It is truly a brand of luxury. Ferrari has sculpted over the decades this brand, and this brand is one of high pricing. Ford has gone the other direction. Ford has given us, yes, the Ford F750 Super Truck, $120,000 or whatever. But it's also given us the Ford Escort and the Ford Pinto. But my point is, is that these are low price mass appeal products. So Ferrari sells a few at a very high profit. 
And Ford sells a ton, a ton of them at very low profit. Both are perfectly viable pricing strategies. Where are you? Where's your product? Where's your brand? Again, Ferrari targets the wealthy, the flashy, the luxury, people with money, millionaires, billionaires, right? Ford targets specifically and intentionally the every person, every day, everybody. This is their strategy. It's not that Ford couldn't become Ferrari. And it's not that Ferrari couldn't make their own answer to the Ford Escort. It's that these brands choose to price differently based on their pricing strategy. And that's what we're talking about today. Pricing strategy. Not just charging what we charge, but charging in a smart, sophisticated, considered, intentional way. That becomes a brand attribute of your business. Okay. Now, look, price, as we just said, carries strong, strong psychological and emotional brand signals. If you pay more or if the consumer or your customer pays more, they expect more. They expect the Ferrari to be faster than the Ford. They expect it to be not only faster, flashier, right? Better, right? I mean, the leather in a Ferrari is definitely the expectation is that it's far different than the leather you'll find in a Ford because we're paying more and therefore we expect more. So there's a straight up correlation between price and the perception of quality and value. Consider that in your customers' minds, there is a correlation between, I'm repeating it now, between price and the perception of quality and value. Let me ask you, I mean, is a $175 car wash Do you expect that to be better than a $45 car wash? I would. If I'm parting out 175 bucks to get my car washed, I have high expectations, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's pull it all together. The smart pricing strategist, that's you, uses all of this psychology to an advantage, a competitive advantage, one that betters your business and your bottom line. So today we're going to talk about a number of different constructs for pricing. And keep in mind this psychology as we go through it. And so we're in a hunt for the holy grail of pricing. We're looking for, you're looking for, something called the optimal price. And you can probably guess what this is, but let's go ahead and define what the optimal price is. The optimal price is the most sales at the most profit. And as with all things business, determining this optimal price, most sales at most profit, the balance between how many do we sell and how much do we make per unit, determining this optimal price, like so much in business, is a process. And it's not a hard process. It's a simple process. It's steps after steps and a little bit of logic and a little bit of thinking it through and a little bit of your smart gut. And then in the end, we figure out what is the optimal price. It starts with the concept of the minimum price. Think back to the lemonade stand, okay? And just hold that in mind for a second. The minimum price is the actual cost of the things that you're selling plus a share of the overhead, divided out amongst the number of things that you're selling, right? The items, the units that you're moving. 
So the minimum price is exactly this. It's the price of the lemons. It's the price of the water. It's the price of the sugar. It's the price of the cups. It's the price of the lids, the price of the straws. It's all those. That's the actual cost, otherwise known as the cost of goods sold. And then you have to add on top of that a share of your overhead expenses. You can't just put this lemonade stand on the corner without expecting to pay a little rent, right? So that rent is an overhead expense. I mean, you have a phone in your pocket. You can't do business without a phone. So that's a business expense. So these expenses get added in, baked in to the unit cost, right? A share of this gets baked into the pricing strategy. So your minimum price is the actual cost, the lemon, the sugar, the water, plus a share of your overhead, cell phone, rent, insurance, whatever else. So this minimum price, the lowest you can possibly charge, this is minimum price. If you sell items below this price, you go out of business. If you sell items above this price, that's your profit. Minimum price is the line between losing money and making money. There's no psychology here. This is just real, real bean counter stuff. This is what it costs and this is what I'm charging. You're either head above water or head below water, right? So step one of this process is determining the minimum price. What's the lowest I can charge? Now let's think about brand, okay? Second part of the process. We know what is the lowest we can charge for this because we know how much all the parts cost and we know what our overhead costs and we know what our marketing and advertising and all this stuff baked in. We talked about research and development, right? A little bit earlier, all those costs have to be baked in to price because price has to provide enough profit to keep the whole thing afloat. So the next thing we consider are brand attributes. What's your brand? Are you Ford? Or are you Ferrari? You have to decide if you look at your store, look at your business, look at yourself. Are you planning to sell a huge amount of these things at relatively low profit? Or are you prepared to sell very few of these things at very, very high profit? What does your brand bring in terms of this? Are you gourmet or are you warehouse? Are you mass appeal or are you very focused niche? Are you luxury or are you not luxury? And of course, there's room for you to be something in the middle. Between Ford and Ferrari, hey, there's Lexus. Between Ford and Ferrari, hey, well, all right, there's Mercedes. Okay, sure. So high, low, in the middle. Where are you? And hold on to that because that's going to be part of your pricing strategy. Next, we get into the competition. Well, we know customers shop around. We know customers go from store to store, website to website, and they shop around. And you know, sometimes they're shopping based on price. Sometimes low price is the thing that they're looking for. They're always considering price. Sometimes they'll shop on low price. Sometimes they'll be looking for signals about what price means to the brand. Okay, so now let's talk competition. You've got to be aware of what your competition is not only charging, but what your competition is doing. Because customers are going to shop around. They're going to go from store to store, and they're going to be looking at the product offering, and they're going to be looking at the pricing. And you may think, okay, well, they're just looking for the lowest price. That's not always the case. In many instances, people are looking for an experience, a shopping experience, a emotional experience, Low price may not be the number one thing that they're looking for. In fact, a very low price may be a turnoff to a certain customer segment. So it's kind of like 
Walmart and Macy's, we're back to that, right? Like, I mean, these are two really different shopping experiences. And I, I use Macy's because Macy's is like kind of everywhere. But I mean, if you want to go even a little bit more, it's like, you know, geez, you know, like the difference between a Walmart and a Nordstrom, right? Or like in New York, we always, we used to talk about Barney's all the time, right? Like there's a big difference between these stores and what you can expect to pay for something like a t-shirt. I mean, you're going to pay a lot more for a branded t-shirt at Nordstrom than you are at Walmart. I mean, now we're back to this. But what is the shopping experience like at Nordstrom? What does the pricing psychology say about the quality of the t-shirt that you're going to get at Nordstrom? And for a certain person, they need that kind of t-shirt. I mean, if this is someone who's going to really fancy places and putting a really fancy blazer over a t-shirt because they just love that (laughs) that t-shirt and blazers look, they're just like cool for the late 80s, I guess. Hollywood, late 80s, t-shirts and uh, and blazers, blazers, sports jackets. It's got to be a good t-shirt, right? Like, you, you know, like you're not strolling into some big old Hollywood meeting wearing like like a Hanes <laughs> undershirt under like an Armani jacket like that. That that doesn't work, right? You need to have that whatever $120 t-shirt in the place you get that is someplace really expensive. And the t-shirt is going to be a little bit more quality, right? It's going to be a little bit finer cotton, but it's still going to be cotton and it's still going to be a t-shirt and it's not going to be that much cotton, right? But the difference is going to be the perception. And then also you might think, well, gosh, the guy who's selling the $120 t-shirt is like making buku bucks. They must be rich and like they just live 24-7 on like yachts 12 stories high. Well, that's not always the case, right? Because these luxury brands, there's a lot of luxury costs. Remember when I said that? Your price is also a factor of how expensive your business is to run. Well, if you're an expensive business and you sell expensive products, that requires a tremendous amount of advertising, marketing, branding, events, activations, sponsorships to keep the brand going. Ask yourself, what is Red Bull? It is sugar water with a special ingredient, but it's expensive a lot more than it costs to produce. And that's because they're putting Red Bull, whatever, rockets in the air, the whole Red Bull lifestyle and marketing and advertising package. That's all baked into the price, the power of brand. On the other hand, then we've got the Walmart. The Walmart t-shirt, well, geez, they come in a three-pack for like five bucks. You can get three of these things. They're great for something completely different. They're great for actually doing work. They're great for like working on the car. They're great for like wearing under another shirt. They're great for like just being an inexpensive t-shirt. And Hanes sells a ton of them. And Walmart sells a ton of them. And at the end of the day, who makes more money, right? The high-end $120 t-shirt company or Hanes? So my point is, Look at the competition, look at what they're charging and look at what they're offering and figure out where you and your product and your brand fit into that emotional mix of stuff where it's like, okay, my product's pretty good and it's also not very cheap. I wouldn't call it expensive. I'm in between the expensive guys and the cheap guys, or I'm going to be the cheap guys, right? Oh no, how with this? I'm going to sell a ton of these t-shirts, make them cheap. I'm going to get them shipped over on a container boat. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to undercut all my competitors. Hey, that's cool. And then the opposite, you can be like, uh-uh, let everyone undercut me. I'm going to be the place that only sells one t-shirt a week to that one rich guy. And then I'm going to enjoy $60 profit on a t-shirt. But of course, like, you know, be aware if you're going to charge more, you've got to offer more, more experience, more emotions, more branding, more perception of value right? There's that trade-off there. You can't just be a cheap t-shirt and put your dumb logo on it and say it's a $120 t-shirt. 
you got to breathe the perception of value into this product. You know, and there's a lot of ways that you can make your experience more expensive and justify that price. Location is a perfect example of this. If you open up a store on some really crappy little outskirt discount mall location, that not only says something about your brand, but it also limits how much you can charge. But then again, you know, you slip on over to LA and get a little spot on Rodeo Drive or hop up to New York City and get yourself a little flagship store on Fifth Avenue. Well then, hey, charge a lot. You can because you're on Fifth Avenue. You're on Rodeo Drive. And the people who are shopping there come from the whole world with pockets filled with cash that they want to spend at these places on brands that have set up experiences there. So that's the competitive set. So now that we've figured out what the minimum price is, remember, minimum price being actual cost of what you're selling plus a little percentage of your overhead, and you've sort of taken into consideration the brand attributes, am I Ford, am I Ferrari, am I Macy's, am I Walmart? And then you take into account the competition, the people that your customers are going to when they're in consideration, when they're in market, they're coming to you and they're looking at your competitors, right? Once you've figured out minimum price, where you fit in sort of that uh, that luxury spectrum and what your competitors are doing, now it's time to set a price. Take your minimum, know what your competitors charge, and then figure out what you want to charge on top. What is your brand worth? Set the price. Minimum, competitive considerations, the value of our brand. So set your price. There you go. No problem. Price is set. Okay, now, next thing, last step in the process you got to test it. Wherever you start on price is certainly not where you're going to like wind up being forever. So after you've set the price, the next step is to test the price. And don't just test the price you've set. Test the price that's more than what you set and test the price that's a little bit less than you set and test the price that is the price you set plus a 20% discount for first-time subscribers and see how that works. And it's easy to test. I mean, you can buy an email list of like a bazillion names or work with the email list that you already have and send half of them one offer and the other half a different offer. Group A gets it for $175 and group B gets it for $225. What's the difference? Only price. Valuable information. Now we're testing. Let's say you're wholesaling. Okay, you're wholesaling an item. You're in 40 stores in the tri-state area. Pick some stores like way out east and pick some stores way out west where there's not a lot of crossover. Try two different prices out there in real time on the front lines on the store shelves. Test, test test. Digitally, it's super easy to do this, right? I mean, A-B testing is everywhere. You can literally set it up so that as people come to your website, the first person gets price A, the second person to come gets price B, 50, 50, 75, 25. I mean, any split you can imagine, you can test the bejesus out of this and come back with pricing data that shows you how this works. So testing is the most crucial part because it tells you what the market will bear. And what the market will bear is often a huge clue to figuring out what the optimal price is. Remember, the optimal price is the point where you are selling the most product you can at the most profit you can eke out of each product sold. I'm selling as many as I can at the highest price I can. So minimum price, brand considerations, competitive considerations, set a price, and then test it. Test it higher, test it lower, test it. And that 
when you take a look at the data, you're going to wind up with the optimal price. Okay, sure. Now let's talk about low prices. Up to this point, we've really talked about low prices like, you know, they're a bad thing, like it's a low end or bottom of the market, right? Well, there's a couple things to keep in mind with low prices and a lot of things and a couple things to consider. Like first, I want to talk about competing on price. Typically, in most cases, in a lot of cases, competing on price is like not the hottest idea ever. It's not usually the best idea. The problem is if you start competing on price, you start undercutting and start charging less and making that like, that's your thing. Hey, we charge less. Well, a couple things happen. First off, you might not make enough money to stay in business. Business is fun, right? Like it's fun, but it's not fun when you go out of business. So not making enough money is definitely one side effect of charging too little or undercutting the competition. The second thing is like, think of the brand signals. Hey, 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 we're cheap. Our products are cheap. Looks like it should cost a dollar, but we're only charging 50 cents. What's it say? It says you're cheap. That's not great. That's not great for business. And it's not great for brand. Not necessarily. Not unless that is your brand. I mean, the dollar store, it works. But for a lot of businesses, not so hot. And the funny thing is, is that like cheap prices bring price conscious customers cheap customers. Hey, hey, we're cheap. Next thing you know, all these cheap-minded customers are coming in the door. And they're often crappy customers who care only about price. They don't care about experience. They don't care about the customer experience. They don't care about the brand. They don't care about who you are, or what you stand for, what your values are, or why you're here, anything. They just want the product at the cheapest that you can give it to them. That's all they care about. Then they're out of there. Like that. Gone. So now you've got this store online, whatever. Got all these crappy customers that have no value. They have no intention of staying with you. They have no brand affinity, no nothing. Crappy customers. And these customers are clogging the hallways, so to speak. Whether it's a physical store and these crappy customers are like, they filled up the parking lot. They made a line outside. They're all over the aisles. Or if it's like an online store or a digital business or whatever, all your people are busy dealing with the crappy customers. So then guess who doesn't get through? Guess who doesn't get to come into your doors and into your business? It's the good customers, right? Like the ones who do want to engage with you, the ones who do care what your brand stands for, and the one who do care about what you're bringing to like the world and what you're trying to do with your business. They can't come in and talk to you because the parking lot's filled with a bunch of crappy cars and crappy customers who are price shoppers only. So that's a big problem with low prices and the idea of undercutting. So yeah, don't charge cheap. But then again, the loss leader. Loss leader can be great, right? Like it can bring in new customers, existing customers, they're going to love it. And it's going to be more sales. Remember, a loss leader is like a big discount on something very specific or specific items or services that get them into your store in the hopes that they will buy more. Discounted items that gets them in the store. While they're there, you sell them more. And all sales are loss leaders. Anytime you see a sale, it's a loss leader. That's a store trying to get you to engage with the brand and get in there and buy something else. Get something for cheap, but while you're here, get something expensive. Plus, it gets them in the door, right? Like it gets them on your website. Like it brings them from their inbox to your website. It brings them from, you know, I-95 
into downtown and into your store. And offline, online, it's the same thing. The Lost Leader works both places. Any places where money, where people are making considerations and going to purchase someplace, the Lost Leader works. So now, when they come into your store, the Lost Leader, right? Hey, all grapefruits are going to be like, buy one, get one. Hey, I like grapefruits. I'm going to go into the gourmet market and get me some grapefruits. When I get there to the market, it's your job as the proprietor or the owner of this business to make sure that grapefruits aren't the only thing I'm leaving the store with. You got to show me when I'm there that in addition to my grapefruits, you got to get me to leave with some of this $22 a pound coffee because that's where the money is. So what's that mean? That means you set up a little coffee station. You're doing coffee samples or whatever. You're making that whole place smell like gourmet coffee. The cheap grapefruits bring me in, but the coffee is where the store makes its money. When you're selling the grapefruits, whatever your loss leader is, what's the bundle? What works aside from that? What accessories can go with the grapefruit? Sure, here, come in, get some, get some, buy one, get one grapefruit. And here's a $27 sterling silver grapefruit spoon. Dude, do you have one of these? Eat grapefruits. Makes it like 10 times easier to eat a grapefruit if you have a $30 spoon. So get the $30 spoon. And you know what? While you're at it, get two. Now I'm walking out of there with $8 worth of grapefruit and $60 worth of spoons. Complimentary items, right? Hey, 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 hey. Pretzels, two for one. Come and get them. Make pretzels as you want. And by the way, right next to the pretzels is a big old stack of ice cold beer. I want some of that ice cold beer. Yeah, it's not on sale, but these pretzels are making me thirsty. Like I said, it works online too. I mean, you know, whatever it is you're selling, you're an online jewelry store. The email says, hey, 18 karat gold over platinum earrings. Come on in and get them. 75 bucks. No problem. Here they come. Before you go, what about the matching necklace? Okay, sure. I'll do that. The loss leader brings the attention. And then your job as a crafty business owner is to bundle it with something else. And there's a lot of great reasons to do this, right? Like, I mean, this works. There's a reason that this is still around after like thousands of years of commerce. What are you sitting on a lot of that you need to get rid of? That's what you want to sell. Buy one, get one. It's going to move in. So it's a great way to get that old stock or that whatever you have excess inventory for, great way to get it moving. What else? Hey, what's it get you? New customers. Hey, this is cool. Wow. Buy one, get one earrings. Never heard of that. I know someone who's going to be interested in that. I'm going to forward this email to my friend, whatever, Sabrina, who loves earrings. Send it to her. She's never heard of this online store that sells buy one, get one earrings, but I just told her people love to share. The promotion attracts new customers. And even more importantly, it can bring back existing customers or people who have shopped with you once and turn them into repeat customers, like the best customers. And you can have the brand evangelist, right? Like that's good. But the repeat customers are pretty gosh darn strong second to the brand evangelist. And the last pro of all this is that if you do it well, it can really build your brand. If you have a really cool promo or sale and you get these people in and you treat them in a way that's in alignment with your brand values, they will remember it. They will understand your brand and you will create brand enthusiasts and people with brand affinity. So in the end, the loss leader, do it, but don't do it too often. Don't mark stuff down too much. Don't forget to sell them something else. Don't forget to provide value. And in the end, test Business is a process, a process of trying things and testing things. And the things that test out well, you do them again and again and again. This is pricing strategy. Low prices, 
psychology of prices, testing prices, setting prices, what prices say about your brand, what pricing attracts in terms of customers, what pricing keeps in terms of repeat customers. People will say things about your brand based on brand perception is set by price. Pricing in the end will determine your profit. And that alone makes it very important. But all these other things about pricing, all these considerations are all so much about your business and what makes your business your business. And remember, what we say is businesses are not just really businesses. Businesses are vehicles by which we business owners can change the world, can make things happen in the world. I can make downtown, any town USA, better with a really good high quality hot dog stand. That's a fact. <laughs> right? I mean, there's no downtown in America that couldn't be a better place with a really good hot dog stand. Hot dogs are good and people want them and it makes the world a better place. That's what a fun business is. That's why we here view businesses as things that allow us to go out into the world and make the world more interesting or fun or engaging. And at the same time, make a profit that's in line with our values. We don't always have to get rich. We certainly can't go out of business. So we must make some money and thus pricing, pricing strategy. That's it for today's episode of the Making Business Fun podcast. Before you go, please hit subscribe. And hey, if you or someone like you is going to start a business or is already running one and needs a little help, send them my way. Why? Because I'm a small business coach and I'm on this planet to help small business owners make their businesses everything they want them to be, including fun. They can find me at www.ericgoris.com or they can email me directly, eric at ericgoris.com. The Making Business Fun podcast is authored and produced solely by yours truly, Eric Goris. The Making Business Fun podcast is a production of Eric Public Media, the Alaska Ice Corporation, and Acadia Growth. Thank you for listening, and we'll be speaking to you again very soon. Until then, relax, take a deep breath, and make it fun. And oh yeah, tell your friends.